Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Where to Go When podcast from DK. I'm James Atkinson, online brand manager at DKR Witness, and we're launching this mini podcast series to celebrate the launch of Where to Go When, your all-new stunning guide to the most amazing places in the world and the best time of year to visit them. Over four episodes, we'll be looking at different seasonal travel conundrums and the best destinations to solve them. And to do this, I'm joined by Lucy Richards. Hello, James. Hi, Lucy. Uh, Lucy is project manager here at DKR Witness. I'm not project manager. Project editor. <laughs> <laughs> it's already going wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, so Lucy is project editor and um, particularly project editor of this book, Where to Go When. So yes. Lucy, how did you find working on the book? It was so fun. I think the only frustrating thing is that I've now added sort of a hundred new places that I want to travel to, but it was really exciting to commission new copy from some very talented travel writers and just sort of travel the world every day. And it's a beautiful book, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful. So we've got sort of like all new images throughout. Um, an amazing design team worked really hard on it to sort of source the most sort of inspirational and seasonal images as well. Um, and it's just a real kind of feast for the eyes. Well, Where to Go When is actually out today, just as we're recording this, which is very exciting. But we're going to get on with the matter at hand. And for our first episode, we're looking at Christmas yes. and in particular, alternative Christmases. Um, so why are we kind of looking at this? Why is this a travel problem? Generally, Christmas has a lot of traditional destinations where people go away. There's places like Helsinki, Lapland. Amsterdam. Uh, yeah, Paris. Uh, New York. New York, yes. Fairy tale of New York yeah, and so on, yes. which is a complete lie, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people are kind of looking upwards and seeing where where else they can go, really, yeah, and what think, else they can do. Yeah, I think now people kind of want more sort of like a different travel experience, don't they? Yeah, and with where to go when we've got at least four yes <laughs> at least we found four <laughs> really good, really good examples of different christmas destinations so here's our rundown of our top four so our first alternative christmas destination is Lalibela. In Ethiopia, have yeah. I, have I pronounced that right? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Lalibela, yeah. Um, uh, in Ethiopia, which I, I'd actually never heard of before. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Lucy, do you want to tell me about why you should go to Ethiopia this Christmas? Yeah, well, it's really cool because um, in Ethiopia, they celebrate Christmas in January. Um, so, specifically on the 7th of January. Um, and it's really, this sort of, their Christmas is really unusual. They have these just amazing medieval churches, which are sort of... Um, 
cut down into the rocks. Their roofs are mm-hmm. at um, mm-hmm. surface level. So there's this incredible pilgrimage down down into the rocks to these churches on the 7th of January. So locals flock there. It's called Ledet. That's the Ethiopian Christmas. Um, and it's just mm-hmm. this truly awe-inspiring and very unique sight. And then on the 19th of January, it's Timcat, which is the day of Jesus's baptism. Um, and that has processions and chanting and lots of sort of singing and dancing. So it's just this sort of really different... Christmas is in January and yeah. it's this incredible sight. So you basically get to celebrate your normal Christmas yeah. and then you get to actually celebrate Round Christmas two. all over again yeah. in January. It, Perfect. Exactly. And how do you get there? Um, so international flights go into Addis Ababa and then um, you can get a flight from there to Lalibela. Cool. And is there anything else that I need to know about Lalibela? I think just that this was the second country to adopt Christianity. So I think it's a really cool place to celebrate Christmas. Is it almost like going back in time in a way? Yeah, definitely. And sort of with this really kind of wonderfully electric experience. Yeah, it, no, It's top of my list. No trees, no reindeer. No, no Father Christmas. No, no Father Christmas. Instead, kind of like colourful textiles, different... Yeah, like kind of, and just yeah. really kind of enchanting, I suppose, sort of that real kind of magic around Christmas, that sort of real sort of sense of occasion. Brilliant. Fantastic. Can't wait to go. Okay, so where's next on our alternative Christmas list? So next is Santa Fe in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So Christmas is celebrated throughout the month, but specifically or mainly around the 23rd to the 26th of December. And it has this really wonderful tradition. It's this sort of wonderful blend of Christian and American Indian traditions. So the whole city, um, they have these, they're called a farolito. A farolito Mm -hmm. is um, a paper bag filled with sand and it has a candle, a lit candle in it. Mm -hmm. And there's a procession through the city with all of these farolitos. And it's just this sort of wonderful kind of celestial string of fairy lights, if you will, kind of moving, glowing fairy lights. And they're put in windows and on roofs. And it's just this really sort of, again, magical festive So the, the whole city is kind of illuminated, really, by these lanterns. Yeah, and then with the starlight above them, um, that's just it. And they sort of pr- they process through the city. And it's just this sort of wonderful kind of, again, I suppose quite um, magnetic sort of uh, pilgrimage. Yeah, and I guess what kind of makes it most interesting to me is the idea that it is that kind of blend of cultures, yeah. it's that mash to, mashing together of cultures, because I guess Santa Fe is a meeting point in the US between Anglo kind of cultures, yeah. like a lot of the rest of the US, uh, American Indian cultures and Latin American ones as well. Yeah. And it's a way for everyone to celebrate. It's quite an inclusive celebration. I'm Absolutely. And I think we need more of that. Yeah, brilliant. And I'm guessing the easiest way to get there is going to Albuquerque, right? That's right, yeah. And then um, it's about 105 kilometres onto Santa Fe. But obviously, then it's just best to explore the city on foot. Brilliant. Okay, so next up is somewhere where I've always wanted to go and visit, um, ever since reading The Life of Pi a long, long (laughs) time ago. Uh, It's Kerala and... This is quite a different kind of Christmas in a way, in terms of it's not necessarily a festival or celebrating Christmas in any way. No. It's just the perfect place to go if you're really sick of Christmas shopping. Yeah. Maybe if you hate your family or something like that. (laughs) And and you really want to kind of get away from it all, right? That's right. So it's often called God's Own Country. And I suppose what's really lovely about Kerala at Christmas is that it's this kind of centuries old. It has a real sort of sense of a different place. It's Mm -hmm. going to transport you somewhere far away. 
So we're talking about um, taking a journey through the lush landscapes in Kerala's backwaters. So picture still green waters and rice paddies and dense coconut groves. Totally, totally different to Father Christmas and <laughs> horrible um, shopping. No and snow in sight, right? No uh, snow, yeah. no shopping on Oxford Street. Um, so it's just palm-shaded lakes that make up sort of Kerala's 900 kilometres um, of backwaters. And it's this real patchwork of land and water and sort of real kind of... We're talking rural India, mm-hmm. just sort of a wonderfully different kind of an experience. Am I selling it to you? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I want to go there right now. <laughs> How do you actually get there then? Um, so international flights arrive into Kochi, um, but then obviously you'll need to get a bus or a train or, or hire a driver. And of course, Kerala's backwaters are only accessible by a boat, by a rice barge. Okay, so next, uh, I think we've taken the sort of idea of a star on the top of a tree a little bit too <laughs> literally, and we are talking about stargazing, yeah. um, uh, in particular in Chile. Yes, so in San Pedro de Atacama, and I have to say I think this is the one that I'm the most excited about. So this is the driest place on earth, um, and it has these really otherworldly landscapes. Um, so we're talking about these sort of shimmering salt flats and sort of weird rock formations, gushing geysers and emerald green lakes. And over all of this are these stellar skies. So this is San Pedro's night sky, which is listening above you with stars and planets and constellations. And it's really quiet at this time of the year, so it just will feel like you have the entire cosmos to yourself, which is the perfect Christmas. Yeah, the kind of Christmas alone with the stars. It's almost quite romantic, right? uh, Yeah, cool. And to look look at this in a bit more detail... Uh, we've got DK's resident uh, stargazer. Yes. I'm at least assured that he's a he's a stargazer, <laughs> uh, James McDonald. Yeah. Uh, he's one of our cartographers who's going to tell us a little bit about stargazing. Hello to James McDonald, our stellar cartographer. Hello, James. Hi, how are you doing? All right, how are you? I'm very well. Good, good. So you're here to talk to us a bit more about San Pedro de Atacama, but also really about stargazing. Yeah. So why is San Pedro de Atacama great for stargazing? Well, pretty much, if you're going to design a place on Earth to go and look at the stars, it's going to be San Pedro because it's just... Perfect. You've, you're way, way up in the sky. You're like 8,000 feet up in the air. You've got near perfectly dry conditions all year round. There's basically no light pollution, and it's basically made for it. It's absolutely beautiful. Cool. Cool. Sold. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And have you got kind of any tips for sort of budding stargazers if you want to go there on your first stargazing trip? Oh, well, it's an amazing place to go for your first stargazing trip, but I'd recommend before you do any of that, just get out in the back garden, pair of binoculars, if that's all you need. You can go onto some fantastic telescopes these days that are kind of quite reasonably priced as well. Uh, your phones have got fantastic apps on which you can use to, to help you find your way around the sky so you don't need to get to grips with all the kind of crazy... Yeah, solar system maps that people used to have to use back in the Mm. 80s and 70s. So, yeah, no, just get out there and and just see what there is. If your garden maybe is in a city and you've got a bit of light pollution, 
try and find a park somewhere. It's fine. It's all... I have a question. Yeah. Do you have any like standout stargazing memories? Do you have any moments where those sort of like otherworldly, really magical moments? Uh, it's always oh yeah. I mean, it always goes back to the the first time you see things. So I remember as a boy the first time I saw Jupiter and the first time I saw Saturn through a telescope. It was one that my dad actually built when he was wow. like way wow. younger. It's, crudely made from a, uh, some kind of piping that he'd discovered with some lenses that he'd got hold of from somewhere. But it, it, was, it was staggering. So we had that was obviously a very, very key moment. And then as well as that, he'd then turn it round and then show me sunspots on, projected onto paper and things. So it's really important that you, you get to see these when you're younger. So it instills a really keen sense of kind of where you are in the universe and it's something that I'm, I mean I've got some kids and I'm trying to do the same kind of thing so a couple of years ago I took them out to watch uh, a solar eclipse uh, and mm -hmm. I'm hoping that that's the kind of thing will you know stay with them for the rest of their lives it's fantastic yeah. oh that sounds magical awesome. so uh, James you're a cartographer um, which obviously means that you make maps uh, mm -hmm. what does that involve on kind of a daily basis uh, well, it, it's mostly reading and researching and, uh, well, basically just drawing the maps. What, what we do is we use um, everything that we have in the book and then we build our maps specifically for the book, for the text and for the people who are reading the book, who are out there actually in the place, um, which is, it, it's, it's great fun. I've been doing it now for 20-odd years and, wow. yeah, it, it's still something I, I really, really enjoy doing. You kind of... It, got that thing that it, it is an art mm -hmm. as well as being kind of very scientific at times as well so mm -hmm. it's good fun because it's designed isn't it you've got to kind of make it fit in with the with the with the tone of the book mm -hmm. with what the audience is kind of want yeah that. yeah well it's, it's it's that but you've got to bring in other things like you've got to make sure that uh, you know if you you know that some people are going to be colorblind so if you're using lots mm -hmm. of colors you've got to make sure things are going to be legible You've got to make sure that text isn't too small, that if you're reading it somewhere in, in the dark, that the colours don't merge into a big mass and it's, it's illegible. So the whole basis of all cartography is to make sure that what you're representing on the page is as clear as possible and as precise and legible as possible. And so that's all I'm doing, is just trying to make things obvious. Fascinating. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah brilliant. And I know Lucy's got a question. My question, James, is... Is it true that cartographers put something like a red herring on a map, and and why is that? Uh, yeah, no, this is true. It's it's cartographic follies and trap trap uh, uh, streets. Are, yeah, no, they're, they've been around for for years and years. It's um, there are unscrupulous cartographers out there who will take a map and and trace over it and then just sell that on. So all the hard work that cartographers have done yeah. producing this map mm -hmm. that they're just being ripped off. And so what they will do is they will actually put in just little, you know, changes in the shape of rivers or maybe a fake road here okay. or strange contours somewhere, and then you know that it's yours. Uh, and no, it's still done, it's still done today. And yeah. do you have, like, a list of those? That, well, we have a list of some which we have in ours. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that behind, like, yeah. lock and key? And uh, somewhere? No, no, it's, it's well, it's, it, it's kind of... It's, well, when you work on maps all the time as well, you do kind of get to know kind of roughly what's going on, what isn't going on, yeah. Oh. Uh, it's also handy if you make a slight error, you can pretend that maybe it's a <laughs> yeah. Not that we would do that. <laughs> well, thank you very much, James. And uh, thanks, Lucy, as well. Thank uh, you. That's the end of our first episode.
This podcast was brought to you by DK Eyewitness. For more information about our books, visit us at dk.com forward slash eyewitness or follow us on social media at DK Eyewitness. The book Where to Go When is available in all good book retailers now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.